All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I'm glad to be here. Um, give me a big smile and a hello, if you would. Hi. No, no, that wasn't strong enough. Say, hey, hey, wave for me. All right, I get a little insecure when you're all quiet on me like that. And so I don't want to feel like I'm here by myself. But no, it's great to see everybody. For our first-time guests, a very special welcome to you for everybody else. That is family, always great, great to be with you. Um, we, uh, as Pastor Matt mentioned, uh, we are going, this is technically week five as we end our series. And so we've been going through uh, the theme, which is uh, abide. And so we've been doing this as a worldwide global ministry. We've been doing this together. We, those of you who participated with us in the consecration week, um, wasn't that a good time? How many fasted with us? I'm just, you know. How many made it to the end? You don't have to raise your hand. Okay, all right. Some people are like, yeah, I did, I did. God bless you. God, God, uh, glad God's grace was there uh, with you. But uh, we are on week five in our last week of our Abide series. We're exploring the beauty and power of God's word from the per- perspective of John, uh, the disciple John. And so um, how many of this has been good for you? To, to see, I mean, John walked close with Jesus, and so for him to, to record this and bring this um, back around from his perspective um, is really special. And so as we get back into God's Word, um, I'm, tra- I'm trusting that it's going to really transform our lives. That's what it means to abide. It means to stay and to remain. And so there's a real message here um, that I think could really revolutionize our walk with God. Because we're not always the most faithful, are we? We're not always the most steadfast. And so when we talk about abide, that's exactly what it means. It means to stick. It means to stay. It means to hang out, right? And so, and that's what we're talking about, and specifically in God's Word. So we have a chance to take a look at something very, um, really special today. Uh, And I'm not going to say anything really profound, uh, and I have something planned at the end. So I'm going to try to keep my message real tight to give us time at the end uh, to do something and participate in something. So I won't preach very long, and all God's people said, amen. Now, I know I've broken that promise before, okay? So I reserve the right, if the Holy Spirit were to show up, to, uh, you know, just saying. But how many here, you're, you're like a fruit person. You like fruits. Anybody here? I'm not a, a big fruit person, and the reason why is because sometimes it's tedious to eat fruit. And so... Um, the way me and my boys operate, if my wife prepares it and she peels the oranges and she separates the segments and she puts it down on a plate, we'll sit down and we'll eat all day. And so there's times where she'll prepare these, you know, tangerines and oranges and, you know, or some other, you know, fruit. It'll be all, you know, cut up and we'll eat and she'll say, oh, do you want more? And we'll go, yeah. And she'll go, they're over there. And we'll go, ah, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Anybody else like me? Right? But you love fruit. But the one that I love the most, I found out when you go to Smith's or Albertson's or some of these grocery stores, when they have fresh pineapple, what happens if nobody buys the pineapples, um, they start to ripen. They start to, and before they get too ripe, what they do is they cut them up, and they cut them up in chunks, or they cut them in, in, uh, in circles, and they put them in those clear plastic uh, bins. You guys have seen those? And I love to get those because they're already ripe, they're rich in color, and they're super duper sweet. And so that's just a hint. If you guys like uh, pineapples or watermelon, 
um, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the secret. So the ones that are in those clear plastic bins are the ones that are already ripe. They're good to go. You don't have to let it sit for a couple of days. And so, uh, and you can eat them right away. So, but even as we're talking about fruit, how many know that Jesus has a lot to say about fruit? And he puts it in his Bible. And, um, and what we're going to look at today is something that's very familiar to, to a lot of you. So we're going to turn to John chapter 15. We're going to read verse 1 through 11. And it's a be- very beautiful passage of Scripture. Um, this is what you would call an allegory. I learned something this week. Uh, allegory is like, um, it's like a parable on steroids. When you think of a parable, a parable usually has one driving point. And Jesus is he's the master storyteller, and he'll tell parables Well, this is what you call an allegory. And with an allegory, there are levels upon levels and layers upon layers of different meaning. And so John chapter 15 is this. But um, as we get into it, it's going to start to become familiar. Um, and, And it's a very beautiful passage of Scripture. But when you look at the context of it, it was actually a very sad time. It's the night before the crucifixion of Jesus. It's the night in which he will be arrested. Him and his disciples had just had their last supper, Jesus' last supper. And they were going down out of the upper room to begin the sequence of events that would lead to Jesus' torture and his death. So normally when we read this passage of scripture, it's we, we get it, we hear it, and we're like, yes, you know, God, and we want it. And But then when you look at it from this perspective, it kind of changes things. And so the disciples, when they were with Jesus, they came down. They're trying to digest the food they had just eaten and also what Jesus had just told them. And so Jesus dropped something on them that was so heavy and so life-altering, it might as well have been a nuclear bomb. And so Jesus said, I have to leave you. And I'm going away and I'm going to the Father And so imagine what the disciples are feeling at this point. They had dropped their nets. They had left their uh, tax collecting booths. And they gave everything and devoted themselves 100%, just like what Jesus says a disciple should do. Total, total surrender to him. And they had done this. And they had been walking with him, doing everything he said. And now all of a sudden he's saying, I'm out. And I'm leaving you. And so imagine what they're feeling now. How are we going to survive? How are we going to do this without him? And so we enter into this passage of scripture where Jesus is saying, look, even though I'm going away physically, I'm going to tell you how we're going to stay in touch and how this is going to work. And so we get to John chapter 15. And he paints this picture of a vine and explains how at every moment of your life, the disciples' relationship will remain intact And they will still have access to Jesus and all he is and all that he has. And what he says in John chapter 15 applies to us still today. And So uh, let's let's jump into the scripture and then we're going to pray. And then I'm going to make a few quick points and then we're going to bring it all together at the end. And like I said, I have something Uh, plan. So John chapter 15, verse 1 through 11, it says, I am the true vine, 
and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear even more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Say much fruit. Say it again. Say much fruit. You got to put that little much fruit. Man, you guys aren't down today. Okay. And so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we thank you for this beautiful passage of scripture. But Father, I pray you would uh, bring this to life in such a way, uh, Father, where uh, even as the disciples were reaching out and they needed something, Father, even in their insecurity and uncertainty, Father, they, they were reaching. And they're hearing these words of Jesus. And they're, and they're trying to latch on and hold on. Father, I pray we would be like that today as we study this and as we read this passage, uh, study this passage of Scripture. Uh, we love you. Holy Spirit, help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Say amen. Amen. So in this chapter, Jesus tells them very clearly, just like last week, the message was very clear, wasn't it? You know, I found that the Bible is just a whole lot of reminding, stuff we already know. But just like throughout history, God's people just had to be reminded and told over and over, and I find ourselves the same way. So in this chapter, Jesus tells them, if you abide in me, I will abide with you. And you will bear fruit. There's no option here. He says, if you abide... This is the byproduct. And so when Jesus talks about bearing fruit, he's really talking about living a productive Christian life. So I'm going to give you three really quick thoughts about spiritual fruit. The first one is this. Real fruit can only come from abiding in the real vine. And so the word true here means real. It means authentic, which for Jesus to say that, he had to be implying that there are other vines out there that are not true. There are other fakes and, um, you know, stuff that does not give what he gives and supplies what he supplies. And so what makes Jesus the true vine? Jesus was the only one who got the job done. In Psalm chapter 80, there's a, we won't go there. But there's a reference uh, to the vine that was a reference to, um, to, to Israel, God's people. God's people had a 
promise, they had a destiny, um, but sin got involved and they weren't able to carry that out. They were supposed to be representing God and, and, and being his people, and they failed many, many times. If you read any portion of the Bible, you'll see this over and over uh, and over again. And so because that happened, they needed a savior, just like we do today. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he became what the Israelite nation could not be and what they did not do. And so he lived a perfect life, and through him, we now have access to heaven and all the blessings and all the things that he, he promises us. So that's one of the things that makes him the true vine. And so uh, the other thing that Jesus is referencing here is a self-righteousness that was being expressed by the Pharisees. Remember, last week we talked about an argument that Jesus, it was the whole chapter. They fought for the whole chapter. And this is what Jesus was always having to deal with. People who, in their hearts and minds, thought they were right and they weren't. And Jesus was always trying to tell them, something is off here. And so he's referencing this because all the things that were taught in Israel at that time he was saying, Jesus was saying, no, that's, that's, that's not the answer. And so Jesus is an A vine. He is the vine. And so to be disconnected from this vine means to be disconnected from God and his grace. You're tracking with me. And so Jesus was saying that there are other counterfeits out there that won't give you what you're looking for or what you need, what you need. And so... Uh, now, while we're here, I have to make mention of the vine dresser, who is God the Father. As Jesus is talking, we're, we're, we're trying to grab the scope of this, of this whole bigger picture. So um, God the Father is the vine dresser. He's the, he's the, the gardener. He's the, he's the landowner. And so this is a picture of him. In verse 2, it mentions a branch that does not bear fruit. And the reason why it doesn't bear fruit is because the branch is dead. If a branch is dead, it doesn't bear fruit. It continues to paint the picture. These branches are collected. They're gathered. And I'll tell you, when God gathers, God does a good job. And when the day comes, there won't be a branch that will be left out. God's going to be very thorough. And so... These branches are thrown into the fire. Now, we all know what that means, right? I don't have to explain that. But it makes mention of the branch that does bear fruit. So let's zone in on this really quick. The branch that does bear fruit, God wants to bear even more fruit. And so he does something called pruning. Any gardeners here? Any? Okay, we got, yeah, we got to come on, raise their hand. Come on, come on. Come on, Eric. I didn't know you had that in you, man. Come on. I got a little, little of that in me too, you know, so I'm just saying. But um, when, we, when we lived in Guam, of course, it was a tropical island, and everything grew, even stuff we didn't want to grow, stuff that we would cut down and would grow back and overgrow. But we had this pomelo tree in the backyard that was just, I mean, it was incredibly fruitful. And, I mean, they were literally almost basketball size. And so the reason why we had all these trees in that yard is because when we bought the house, it was owned by a a university professor that worked in agriculture. And so, I mean, it, we were set up. We had, I mean, we had dwarf coconut trees. You didn't even have to climb. You could just bend down and twist the coconut. You know how you twist the coconut? 
right, until it falls. And we had all these trees, but that pomelo tree, she told us, you know, if you really want to get huge pomelos, when they start to come out, they'll grow in a cluster. You have to clip the ones from the middle. And it creates space for even more fruit, for the fruit to get bigger. Uh, and I can't forget that. As I think about this, as Jesus says, he's going to prune the branches that, that bear fruit. So to prune means to cut back, to make room. And again, God wants to cut things out of your life. Sometimes God wants to cut people out of your life if it's not helping you grow and not helping you bear fruit. God has a plan for you. He knows what he's doing. And so who does Jesus prune? As far as the, one, the, ones, the, the things that get pruned, I think, is what, is what I'm trying to get at. Which one of those? Who, who is that? What is that? And so obviously we can all, if we took a moment and I ended the message here, we all bowed our heads, and we got introspective, we'd all find something that shouldn't be there. Amen? We agree? And so we can say, God, yes, that shouldn't go, and God, man, you need to clip that. I like Pastor Matt. He's, you know, as we were talking about this message, he was like, snippety, snippety, <laughs> you know. And I can sound kind of scary, I guess, but. But that's what God does, and it's, it's meant for our good. And so sometimes God has to prune those who profess Christ but don't possess Christ. It's easy to say the right things. It's easy to participate. But what Jesus is looking for is ownership. He wants to go with you. He wants to be with you. And so we see some areas of responsibility here. And so as we talk about Jesus being the vine, and we're looking at the gardener or the farmer, we see here that God is very much hands-on with us. He's not some God that's off in the distance. He wants to be right up where you are. And so this is the picture of of God the Father. He's hands-on. And, I mean, he's so much more involved than we even realize And so he's pruning us. He's pruning our hearts. And even though it hurts, sometimes in the end, it's just better. And we need to trust him. And so God is the real vine, and God wants real fruit. Now, really quick, let me test your agricultural knowledge, okay? I'm going to throw up some pictures on the screen, and you tell me uh, what they are, okay? So um, what tree is this? Let me tree. Good job, guys. Wow, okay. All right, and what tree is this? My favorite. Aw. All right, and what tree is this? Chair, you guys are outstanding. You know that? What did you see that gave this away? The fruit. Brings me to my next point. The character of the tree determines the nature of its fruit. So if we are plugged into Jesus the way that he says to be plugged in, there is no guessing. It's not hard. And so if you're one of the ones who maybe met somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm Christian. And you're going, man, you sure? Right. You're probably right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, is this, is this blowing you out the water? No. Right? Okay. I don't have to throw any more pictures up there, right, for you to get this. 
this point. You won't find oranges on a peach tree. Right? You won't find bananas on an apple tree. If you do, I want that tree. And it probably won't grow here anyway. But if you're connected to the true vine, it's obvious. Period. It's obvious. And if you're connected to a counterfeit vine, it's also just as obvious. Not only that, if you're connected to a healthy tree, you will be healthy, spiritually speaking. And if you're connected to an unhealthy tree, again, obvious. There will be something that just isn't right. Matthew 12, 33 says this, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. I know nobody's blown away by what I'm saying, but I'm hoping that, that you're getting this and that in the application, the application after we go through this will be profound. So a tree doesn't bear fruit for itself. A tree doesn't eat its own fruit. The fruit doesn't even exist to eat itself, right? If a fruit gets to a point where it's being eaten from within, it's, there's a word for it, it's called rotten. It's called being rotten. And Somehow I feel like God wants to expose some of that so he can, he can prune, prune it. Uh, Matthew 7, 16 through 20 says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Again, listen to this. Again, very obvious. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their, by their fruits. So Jesus is saying, if you're hanging out with me, you will become more like me. That we can sum this whole message up in that. As we're talking about abiding, Jesus is saying, because what happens sometimes is is we, uh, some of, sometimes we, we visit Jesus on Sunday. You know when you visit a place, how many know to unvisit, you just leave? <laughs> and so sometimes we visit Jesus on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen, deuces, I'm out. And all of a sudden we leave Jesus behind. Jesus saying, no, I want to go. I want to go with you. I want to meet your friends. I would love to meet your family. You know, yeah, what's going on? What was the situation? I would love to be there. You know, would you take Jesus with you? That's what it means to abide. And then we're going to begin to wind this down. And here's my last point. Fruit exists for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. At the end of the day, we want Jesus to be glorified. That's it. No matter what we do here, no matter what we prepare, no matter who we have, no matter what product, at the end of the day, if Jesus is not pleased, we've done it for nothing. And so, fruit exists for the benefit of others. 
and for the glory of God. You know, some people just date Jesus, and Jesus wants to exchange rings with you. He wants a little bit more than just that, you know, hey, can we go out on Sunday? I'm trying not to make this so heavy because last week's message was already heavy, so um, I'm trusting you're getting this. Uh, Verse 16 of our main text, you did not choose me, but I chose you and anointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then let me throw another verse in there before we get to what I want to do. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, uh, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's what it means to abide. And this should be, that's the byproduct. There's something that happens when you just abide. Jesus said, look, if the branch is connected, that branch will bear fruit. Have you ever gone up to a tree and, I don't know, like listen, really listened in? To see what's going on. Do you hear the tree trying to produce fruit going, I need to get this fruit out. It's not like that. You know what the word bear means? It means to carry. As we're talking about the different responsibilities, Jesus is the vine. God is the gardener. God's very hands-on. He's doing his part. You know what your responsibility is? Abide. That's it. Abide. You know what that means? Just connect. That's it. And then you don't have to try so hard. I know this is another, producing another picture. Don't, don't go there, okay? You connect and you just love on Jesus and let him love on you because he said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. There's something that happens that you don't have to worry about because it's not your responsibility. You're not going to produce the fruit. He is. All we have to do is connect and just love him, be in his word, and pray. Bring him with you. Don't be ashamed. And I promise you, you will start to bear fruit. You will. That's what the Bible says, you will. Not you might, not you could, not you should. You will. Abide in me, I will abide in you. You will bear fruit. Um, Chris, can you throw those uh, questions up? We're gonna, what I, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray here in a second. These main points we're going to put back on the screen. And then I want us to, as comfortably as you can be, um, get into groups of maybe three to five people, okay? Uh, and then we're going to... Again, because I feel like you're going to get more traction out of this as you discuss amongst yourself. I don't want to um, beat this into you, although I can if you all want me to, um, but I won't. Um, and so we'll get to this here in a second. But can we just stand to our feet? And I'm going to pray that God would do something supernaturally over us this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times... Um, before I got serious with God, anybody ever had to get serious with God? There's time I flirted with him, you know, 
love you, Jesus, you know, got real close to him. And then right when I was about to commit, no, you know, and I had other things that I loved also. That's not abiding, you know, or some things that I had and I protected. And God says, no, 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 that, that shouldn't be there. That doesn't belong. And so, and I had to go through this. And, and rather than me taking you through the word and just showing you over and over and over, I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit to do that today. And you guys are going to do that with each other. So, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for every nation in Las Vegas. And, Father, thank you for where you're bringing us. And, Lord, we just, we can look at the world and see that, man, just there's so much going on and things are still happening, even in our own lives. Father, we can just sense that, man, God, we, we need you. It's not an option. We need you. Now, Father, what I'm asking you to do today is to show us where it is that we need to allow you, the gardener, to come in. God, give us the grace today to respond in such a way where, God, you don't need our permission to do things, but, but Lord, you would rather have us say, God, please, do what you need to do. And so, uh, Lord, I pray that in our hearts you would prepare us, that your grace would be there for us to respond in whatever way it is um, that you're going to move today. And so the, the prayer is that, Lord, we would bear fruit, much fruit, but it only comes through abiding. The promises come only through the abide. And, Father, we want to be those who abide. And so, Father, anything that's just running interference in our lives, that is hindering us or stopping us, Holy Spirit, show us first so that we can go there and say, yes, I see it, that we can repent of it. Father, that we can willfully hand it over to you and say, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.